0: Welcome to the Mosh Zone, episode 127, week 127, volume 127, number fucking 127. Hey girl guys, how's your week been? Thank you for tuning in. This week's guest is Tom of Vatican, and that will be coming up later in the show. Bit of feedback, bit of questions, bit of what's been going on. We notice we've got a lot of new listeners and followers to the Mosh Zone. So guys, thank you to anyone and everyone that's only recently discovered us. Welcome to the Mosh Zone community. If you have some time this week, help us out with a rating and review on iTunes. Help us out with a rating and review on Facebook. And if you really like the show, help us out with a share on your social medias. Let's kick into the main part of the show, the part of the show we're all here for. This week, I got to chat with Tom of Vatican. First thing I got to say, thank you so very, very, very much, dude, for taking time out for me and the Mosh Zone. Much love, much respect, much appreciated. So if you're unaware of who Vatican are, they formed in 2015. Tom joined around 2016. So far, the band have one album and two EPs to their name. Style-wise, Vatican are the kind of band that are bringing back the old-school metalcore vibes that we all love. Back to a time where riffs played a vital part. Back when it truly, musically, was hardcore mixed with metal. If you're a regular and a long-time listener of this show you would definitely have heard me rattle on and go on about this band because I love what this band do. I think this band have an exciting future. Get behind this band. Get into this conversation. Enjoy. That chat with Tom is coming up now. As you may or may not know, we start off with the same question for everyone and that's you start out, you're young and music becomes a thing but what's the artist that makes music a realization of existence for you
1: you're talking like young right Mm. like okay um definitely like pop like i grew up in i was born in 1990 so Mm. probably mid and late 90s pop music specifically boy bands so like like, no one in my family gives a shit about heavy music. So I didn't hear anything like that. I'm not someone that, like, grew up with, like, Metallica or anything. So um, definitely, like, NSYNC and the Backstreet Boys. And then, like, Disney Channel Pop. I was, like, obsessed with that show when I was a kid. When I was in third grade for our talent show, me and, like, three other people... Uh, de- did like an in sync cover where we had like choreography and everything. There's a a super cringy VHS tape of it oh. somewhere. But I love stuff like that. I still like some of it now because the uh the mu- the production of all the music is really insane. With the all the layers of harmonies and things like that. Um, but yeah, definitely that stuff. I camped out for like in sync tickets with my mom when I was a kid and everything. Um, yeah. So yeah, definitely like just TRL MTV pop music.
0: So, I mean, obviously, I mean, that's for a lot of people as well. You know, the influence of mainstream is always there to start. Um, Yeah. So where do you go with Discovery? Do you still just rely on radio in the early years or TRL in the early years?
1: Yeah, definitely. For me, it was uh, morning radio that, like, my parents listened to Um, and then TRL. MTV was definitely the big thing um, because that was when they were still consistently playing music on the main channel. Um, and so then it was really whatever I thought was cool from TRL. So at first it was pop music and then eventually like, you know, like the new metal era kicks yeah. off. Mm-hmm. So then it's probably like, I remember I was obsessed with, like, I don't really like Corn a ton, but that Corn song, Freak on a Leash, uh, cause the video for that song was very insane. Mm-hmm. Um, especially at the time, uh, with the, the mix of the live shots and the animation. So stuff like that. Um, I got into and then Lincoln Park was like the band, like the first heavy band that I got like really, really, really obsessed with. Um, Like I was in the fan club. I met the band. I like ran fan sites and things like that. Um, I told this story on another podcast the other day, but Warner, their label Warner Brothers uh, threatened to sue me over like some Lincoln Park stuff. Uh, I was on their street team Mm
2: -hmm.
1: and their street team is like a very, it's like, You know, this is a band that sold 10 million copies of one CD. So think about how many fans there are. And then the street team maybe has like 4,000 people on it total. Mm -hmm. So it's supposed to be like a very exclusive community of people. And I had posted the sign-up link uh, to the street team on my fan site, which Mm -hmm. only got like a 1,000 hits like a month. So it wasn't that big. But I got a cease and desist which was followed up with when I didn't respond to the email because I was at school when I got the email. Um, they responded with, "If you don't cease and desist, like we are going to sue you over what? this whole situation, over me posting the link publicly." And I eventually I got back to him was like, "Hey, I can take it down when I'm not in school, but uh, <laughs> I'm like literally sitting in like my typing class right now. I don't know what you want me to do." That's,
0: but uh, I mean, how old were
1: you when that happened? Fuck, man. This is like at this point. I'm probably 13 whenever that meteor record came out like mm. you know uh i'm old enough to know right and wrong but i'm not old enough to know like i didn't understand why uh why people having like certain secrets was bad in music at that point you know now i like really value the business end of music mm. um so I, I can completely understand why someone's like hey like we can't. You can't have this public because if a million people try to sign up for this, it'll crash the infrastructure of this website, things like that. Or like, you know, we can't. We can't say no to all of these people because it's kind of once you sign up, you're kind of in. Like, there's a small approval process. All this stuff where it just didn't make it fair for other people. And I understood that, but the uh, the wording of the people coming at mm-hmm. me was a very not kind, not a very not kind thing to say to a, like a 13 year old.
0: Well, it's also kind of it is in some ways like as you said you understand the the side one side of it, but then the other side of it is they're continuing to portray the nasty record industry imagery that a lot of people have.
1: Oh yeah, totally. I mean, this but at this time frame you're talking about, it's like right around the time that the RIAA is starting to sue people over downloading and everything. Yeah. An and so, mm-hmm. yeah. And so everyone's really like, everyone's picking for scraps at this point. And so, um, I think it was such a, like I like, I'm sure they, if I had posted the link publicly at a different point in time, they would have said some shit no matter what. But, uh, I just think like it was a high tension time mm-hmm. for that industry, specifically for that label. Cause if I remember right, there was kind of like some mass layoffs at Warner at that specific time and everything, so everyone's trying to make sure that you know they're doing their job right to make sure that they can prove their worth and everything. So maybe that had something to do with it. I don't really know, but I definitely didn't get sued. <laughs> but the idea was there, and I remember having to tell my mom about it. I think I called my mom like, "Hey, can you take this link down from here?" And just take this website down so i can get home and fix it all and she lost her fucking mind
0: oh yeah because her, like, her if, reaction would have been oh what the hell is he up to now what misbehavings is he doing
1: oh totally yeah hmm. yeah she i couldn't i couldn't explain to her why it really wasn't a big deal i was like i know this email makes it sound like a big deal but nothing will happen and she just couldn't fathom it because it was just such a strange concept to her i don't even think she even knew that i was like on the street team or whatever and that like i had gone out and done like like be like, where do you go all the time? Like, oh, I'm like putting up flyers for this band <laughs> that sells ten that sells millions and millions of albums. Like they fucking need my help. Like they need the help of a goddamn teenager. But
0: yeah, that was also back when street teams were a thing. I remember there was always, oh. you know, not to the size of Lincoln Parks, obviously, but I do remember there was always street teams for labels, bands, uh, even like nightclubs. For a while, there was things like that. Oh so, yeah. Um, oh totally. So new metal, you know, I remember this um f- phase as well when MTV was pumping out a lot of metal because how mainstream new metal was but what yeah. what's the link in your head that made you change from you know pop music to a slightly more aggressive style of music uh
1: i think i i mean even when i liked pop music i was like obsessed with i didn't play guitar when i was young but i was obsessed with guitar and, um, with like, I guess the antics that like, like guitar players, not in the time that I grew up, but like all of my friends in school, they all had parents that were into like eighties hair metal and eighties thrash and things like that. And you look at like, that's the last wave of guitar players that were like, where half the goal was to be a superstar. It wasn't to be humble. Uh, it was to be like an asshole who was really good at what they did. And to like, it was totally okay and encouraged to be a dick about it. And so I was like, kind of obsessed with that idea. Like I would, uh, like when I was really young, I would like pretend to play along to like whatever radio songs I was listening to with my parents on like tennis rackets and things like that. Uh, so I think it was just like suddenly hearing like loud guitar music that was not just like, not just something I thought was cool, but something that like was approved by the tastemakers that whose opinions I respected, which is just MTV VJs, you know, mm-hmm. at that point. Um, so cause I, that was still a thing where I just like whatever was on the radio, I guess And new metal, what was, what was on the radio. But, um, I think I was just really obsessed with the, the aggression that was there. And that was probably also the time that I'm turning into like a moody teenager, you know? <laughs> so like, all the songs from that era are about being angsty apparently to no one, like just being mad at like X, whatever X is. And I guess I identified with that. So that's probably what got me into it, but I don't really have like a specific like, oh shit, this is it thing. Well, uh, in my
0: head, the other, the other side of the coin that I find very interesting is obviously your dedication and passion towards music or Linkin Park in itself, because where where in your head did you decide to do street team? because not everyone would have the you know motivation as a way of saying it to consistently support one band and go out and do the hard yards because in the long run, it shows in what you do with Vatican. So where'd the want to be a part of Lincoln Park Street team come from?
1: Uh, I think it was okay, so a big thing that anyone tells you now, now that social media is such a big thing when they're talking about how to monetize your business. It's make people fall in love with you as a person, and then as soon as they love you as a person, they'll support anything you do, and they will shoot money at you. And um, at that time, I think that band was just the personification of that because they they released all this insane like multimedia stuff, like behind-the-scenes things to where you feel like you know somebody the same way as like if you're a huge fan of a podcast now you feel like you you're in the conversation even though these people you listen to have no fucking idea who you are um and then i joined their fan club because of that stuff and then the fan club is where they really drive all that stuff home to you where you get all this um all these old demos on cds that no one will ever hear that have never been released anywhere else in the forms that they had the members of the band were active in the forms all the time so you could talk to these people You could obviously connect with other people who are in your, like, in your area, and there was all these, like, organized meetups and everything, but the band was super obsessed with turning their fan base from just a group of people into a community of people, Um, and I think that's why I wanted to, because I was like, oh, I'm a part of, it made me feel like I was a part of a community, and then if I could get on the street team and do stuff for them, it was like repaying these people for giving me a community, Mm -hmm. you know, because I didn't have, like a ton of friends when I was, I became very introverted Like by the time I was a teenager, by the time I hit probably like 12, honestly. So then I didn't really have a ton of friends I wouldn't hang out with, but I had like a ton of internet friends that I met through this fan club. Some of them that I still talk to every once in a while now, you know I'm 30, so this is almost 20 years ago that this shit happened. Um, so I think it was just that, it was just like, oh, I can be, I'm in the community, now I can be in the most exclusive version of this community, that's cool. And I can kind of like, repay this weird debt that I feel like I have to the members of this band. So I think that's where it came from. But it also is the first thing that started teaching me about the business side of music or really about how important that side is, how you can monetize what you're doing in ways beyond just selling records or selling tickets or selling shirts at a show.
0: Well, it is. that There are
1: all these other apps.
0: It definitely is. And it's quite an interesting thing when, you see that you've seen it back then and now you look, as you mentioned, social media is a big thing. So I yeah. mean, what have you taken from then and tried to implement nowadays with social media? I know social media is a whole different beast unto itself, but mm-hmm. as someone who's seen it and knows about it and is in the industry, what do you do to um maintain a presence but not over presence on social media?
1: Uh yeah. So To anyone who hears this and likes my band, uh, don't take any of this like the wrong way. But because it all sounds kind of sleazy, because as soon as you start talking about building community as a way to make money, it sounds kind of fucking dirty. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. But I mean, if you want like it's it's really hard to make money being in a fucking band. So um, so you got to do whatever you can. But number one, it's, it's things like everybody matters uh if some kid because i've been in a million bands at like varying degrees of success and so I've, i've been in bands where there's like the people where your band is their life like you are in the top five most important things that they consider every day when they make decisions and that sounds crazy to a degree but it's really not because i have definitely felt that way about other things about about bands about uh about art, things like that. Like everyone says like this thing, this band or this movie, this blah, 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 director, whatever changed my life. So I get that. So when you meet those people, it does sound crazy, but they matter. They have to matter to you because you matter so much to them. And you don't owe anybody shit, but you should probably think about giving this person some of your time. So it's about like trying to make everyone understand that, you're open and available to talk to anyone. So like anybody that wants to DM the band or me, everybody gets answered. There's always a conversation there. Um, Anybody that like comes up to us at a show, wants to talk about anything at a show, anything that other people would call like punishing, like I don't give a shit about any of that. Um, A couple of the guys in the band run these like clothing lines that are built around horror movies and video games and those two things are another way for us t- to build to build our community even more because those the people that are fans of our band that are obsessed with horror movies and and everything they can go to our guitar player Nolan's pages for his company which is called Restricted uh, Restricted VR and they can talk to him about horror movies you know they can nerd out about that The people that are obsessed with video games, which is the other side of the coin, can go to espionage.vr. That's what our drummer runs, our drummer Hosian runs. And that's all merch that's dedicated to basically late 90s, early 2000s video games. And there's a Discord server there that people can go into and just talk video games with him. The guy's the same thing. It's building community. It's turning your fan base into a community by giving them a place to congregate online the same way that shows are a place for these people to congregate in real life. So those are important parts that those aren't the band's specific avenues, but they're all connected to the band and everybody knows about it. We run, we have a video game podcast that me and the drummer and do with our friend Bert, who some of the people that know the band know because Bert's toured with us a million times. And we answer questions for people on there, things like that. Uh, so really it's just any way that you can come up with to connect directly to these people that like your band on more than just a basic like fan level on a personal level we try to we try to do as much of that as we can whether it be stuff like this like this is another way um, for people to get to know like the same way that people get to know you by listening to your podcast over the course of a long period of time they can get to know a little more about me that stuff's important so never say no to something like this um like We'll do like AMAs on Reddit when people reach out stuff like that. any of like the press opportunities that are bigger than just the generic press questions of just like how did the band start and like is your next record heavier than like the the next one or the last one blah, blah blah, any of that stuff uh, about diving into it head first because that's the stuff where people are gonna like identify with you the most. Mm-hmm. They identify with your music and the lyrics, but they also identify with you as a as a dude you know
0: what i mean well i think Um, that i don't know if that answers the question but it did perfectly man and i think it's really interesting that you do mention community because for someone like myself speaking and obviously it was the same for you with lincoln park i find heavy music a community and it's important to feel even when you think you're an outsider that there is people that you can feel together with whether you're there with them in person or not um yeah and i've yeah i'm thirty seven so a little bit older, but I felt like over the last few years, community has felt like it's disappeared, um, and it's good seeing a band like yourselves who who use different avenues. doesn't matter which avenue it is, but you are creating a sense of belonging and a home for everyone to come together. Mm-hmm. It's important. I mean, yeah
1: yeah, I think it's because when people get into like especially hardcore and punk and metal too, but in hardcore it's like really driven as the mantra is that like we're all here for the same reason, that whole thing, like we're all here because we don't have any other place to go. And when you're young and you get into that, you really, really believe that, you know, you feel like that you finally found your home. And when I got into hardcore, that is how I felt about it. And I still feel uh, about that. I still feel the same way to a degree, but anyone that tells you that like it, that hardcore and metal and punk is a perfect community that doesn't have like the high school clique mentality Mm. is completely wrong because that will exist anywhere you go no matter what um and i think when i talk about like band should form community and you should try to rally the people that care about you into a group with one another is because then they're finding their own clique you know what i mean they're finding the people that people that they identify with even more which especially with a band like us, where um, we have like a few specific things that we champion, like outside of music. Like, I was talk- like, a lot of people know us as like the fucking like video game band because of just some dumb shit that we've done before and some dumb merch that we've made. And um, as funny as that stuff is, like, there are people that do not care about hardcore and metalcore that care about our band. And they'll tell us this when they come to your shows because because of that whole thing because they know that like we're the gamers like you can come and we'll like we'll talk about it forever if you come to my house i'll show you my collection of like 600 different video games and shit like that like all this dumb shit and again that sounds ridiculous talking about it in the context of heavy metal and of music um but that's the stuff that people identify with you know Mm -hmm. and i think when you have something like that you would be foolish to not dive into it head first and like fly the flag as hard as you can because it's something unique about you and it is something unique
0: about us. Yeah, I love it, man. Um, Now you mentioned in there, let's go back a bit more back to, you know, origins and births of passion with music. And you mentioned, you know, when you discovered the hardcore community. So going from a Linkin Park fan to suddenly being into core music, whether hardcore metalcore, um, was that a simple progression or was it something that just slowly developed step by step? Because it's quite a difference, not to say – Lincoln Park wasn't heavy for its time, but you compare it to the hardcore, and it's it's not even. Close. Oh yeah, 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 yeah.
1: yeah. Um, for me, I guess it was it was weird because I wasn't into the like radio hard rock new metal stuff for that long before I got into hardcore. Um, because I so in like seventh grade, I met my best friend, his name's Will Turner, and he's like the kid where he grew like his his dad loved guitar music and love black sabbath and things like that so he grew up around the idea of heavy music and then in fifth grade he was the kid that's already seen converge he's already like staged over to american nightmare and all this shit um so i met him and he is already like fully immersed in like our local hardcore scene and like probably a week after i met him he invited me to his birthday party which was just go all like us and like 10 other people going to a hardcore show you know and so for me, I actually was kind of into all of that stuff at the same time. Like for like a year and a half, or two years, or whatever, I was into the, like all this rock stuff, and then immediately, I just started getting into every other end of heavy music. Because also, since he, like I said, he had been into heavy music since he was a kid. He was into hardcore, but he was also moving past hardcore at that point. Mm-hmm. Like you'll know, meet people where like, they get into like street punk, and then they get into hardcore and they verge off in some weird direction and they're like, they either get into black metal or they get into like terror core, like the electronic (laughs) hardcore stuff and things like that, you know? And so by the time I met him, he's like, yeah, you know, I've played in hardcore bands, but I'm starting this black metal band. And here's my like promo photos for that with corpse paint that my mom took for me and all this shit. So like he's showing me all this shit at the same time. So I guess it kind of was a very, all of a sudden thing. Like for when he took me to my first hardcore show, I was wearing like a cartoon, like Metallica shirt because I would just thought like, oh, all heavy music is all heavy music. Mm-hmm. And I couldn't, I couldn't understand why like some of the really old dudes were seeing this like little, like 13 or 14 year old kid walk around a Metallica shirt and think he was kind of goofy. It's like, there's a couple of people staring at me and I don't really know why. Um, But yeah, it was like, it was a real, like, as soon as he got me into that shit, it was a big head first dive because of that now, like downloading is starting to be somewhat prevalent at this point like this is like 2004 i guess 2005 Mm -hmm. so it's not it's not massive and at the easiest point but uh like there was like hxcmp3.com i don't know if you Mm -hmm. are aware of that site at all Yeah. yeah okay yeah so like that's where i found a million different bands and that's where like our bands like when I started doing bands with this guy, will turn, that's where we put all of our shit and everything. So I'm finding all this local stuff through that around this time, like LimeWire and Kaza starts being a lot easier to use and soul seek and everything. So I was just trying to find as much uh, heavy music as I can, as I could at that point. And just hardcore would just happened to be the shit that I liked the most out of all the heavy music that I was getting into hardcore. And then like the trust kill, like metal core stuff.
0: So, I mean, what about, you know, you mentioned, um, bands there, but you also mentioned earlier that you always had a thing for guitar, you know, about the imagery and the, the thing of the guitar itself. So what age and why did you decide to start picking it up and giving it a go? And then the second part of that question is, did you try and just learn it yourself? Um, or, cause we're talking about a time when tabs online was a big thing you could access, or did you yeah. go and seek some lessons?
1: uh so i actually so i was i think what got me into the idea of playing guitar when i was a kid is my dad um he was a political consultant for years and what that meant was he basically organized fundraising for local and state level politics mm-hmm. for, for different campaigns and so there'd always be bands at like the fundraisers that he would run and normally they were bands like covering like old, like classic rock. And so I think that was my first exposure to guitar specifically, because he wasn't really into that music. Um, but it was just, it was what made people start getting drunk and giving money to people <laughs> and everything. So that's what he brought in. And uh, I, so I, I, if I remember right, he used to take me to those things. And that's what got me into the idea. But I, I never really picked up a guitar until I had started playing piano first. I took some lessons on piano and then I actually started playing bass guitar first because I was obsessed. This is back to the Linkin Park shit. I was obsessed with their bass player for like, no, I don't really know why. I just thought he was really cool. What was his um, name?
0: Was it like River or Phoenix or something? It was
1: Phoenix. That was it.
0: Oh, wow. Yeah. Like just a most Which random was- name too. Like-
1: yeah. I, I still don't know where that name uh, came from. When I met my best friend, Will Turner, I was telling him that I was obsessed with Linkin Park and he was like, oh, I know Phoenix. <laughs> I was like, placed in a ska, like a punk ska band called the Tasty Snacks, and he had like a shirt that like that they had like the Phoenix dude had like hand drawn for him at oh. a show and everything. And He showed me pictures of him. She's like, yeah, I talk to him every time he comes here, but he doesn't come anymore because he quit that band to be in Linkin Park. I was like, oh, makes sense.
0: Yeah, it makes perfect um, sense. He also, hang on, sorry yeah. to sorry to to deviate, but also if memory serves me correct, he wasn't on the band promos for the first album. Is that what he I wasn't. He wasn't. No. It's cuz
1: he it's cuz he was in the Tasty Snacks. He was touring with them and if I remember right, they they already had touring commitments so he didn't play on the he wrote some songs in the album, but he didn't play on the album and he didn't uh, tour with them for a while and he wasn't in the first music video for that one step closer
0: song. One step closer, and then after
1: yeah. that he quit the band. He quit the Tasty Snacks and then he's in everything from then Sense. on out.
0: Yeah. Okay. Hmm. yeah um all right Um, so you were saying you know so bass you know become a bit obsessed
1: yeah so i uh got a bass and then i play i just played bass for like a year until uh i gave up on piano bought got a bass wanted to start fucking being a rock star or whatever and then me and my best friend and a couple other dudes uh tried to start a band like a shitty slayer rip off band when we were like 14 and that's when i started playing guitar because when we would take breaks from playing our, like, shit ball songs, I would borrow a guitar player's guitar and start trying to learn on that. And then I think... I, I, I realized that, like, guitar is way fucking cooler. Like, you can be... Like, you are... Like, when you're the guitar player, and if you're, like, pretty good, you are the guy in band. So I was obsessed with that idea. And I bought, like... Or, yeah, I bought a guitar from a different high school friend, a little acoustic guitar, and just started learning songs on that. I think the first songs I learned were... That Stone Sour song, Get Inside, the Slipknot Side Project mm-hmm. band. It's one of the heavy songs. And then I was obsessed with pop punk at this point. So uh, that band Newfound Glory, they had a song called All Downhill From Here. Mm-hmm. Those are the first two songs I learned. Then I was just like obsessed after that. Um, and I was like, like I said, I stopped. I became pretty introverted. So I would just go home and play for like 12 hours a day, Fuck. you know, stay, like staying up all night getting like two hours of sleep going to school coming back home staying up all night again like in a bad like insomnia situation but i started to get like pretty decent at it at that point and then i think the thing that like really drove it home for me was uh when the dillinger escape plan put out IRWorks, the third record mm-hmm. um i just learned that whole i learned how to play that whole album which is not the hardest dillinger album to play but at the time i was it had some shit there that i couldn't fucking fathom and that kind of turned me into like a total like guitar asshole i guess it's a total shit bag about it like at that point people were like oh you're like the shredder guy because i was obsessed with that band i was obsessed with lincoln park and then as soon as i heard dillinger i was like okay this is the band i actually identify with this is the shit that's actually cool so every band i've been in since then is like in some way shape or form like a dillinger ripoff thing
0: well you can Uh, you can hear elements of dillinger in uh vatican Like, every now and then.
1: Oh, yeah, there's a little... I try. Me and our drummer are the only guys in the band that really ride for Dillinger. And uh, every time we ride, we always try to cram some very obvious Dillinger ripoff stuff. And the other guys in the band just never really vibe with it because Dillinger is definitely a band where, like, people tell you all the time, it sounds like like a garbage can falling downstairs. (laughs) And undeniably, it does. Like, Mm. Fifty percent of the time, I love it, but when you show someone Dillinger and they don't like get it, you can't necessarily argue with them because it kind of like compared to more like calmer music or even more like streamlined metal, it kind of sounds like bullshit at first. Well, Um,
0: it's also a band that you know it also polarizes opinions. You're either a fan of it or you're not.
1: I mean, yeah, and and that's what I'm saying. That's Hmm. why it's so hard for us to fucking get get the dillinger influence into the man i think i'm hoping on the next record we'll get some in because the other guys are kind of like coming around to it more but also like anytime you rip off dillinger especially like with the the signature thing which is the snare shine fast china stuff um there's only one band that does that and that's them so everyone mm-hmm. like it's not like you can like slip it in it's very clear that you're biting this band and everybody on earth fucking knows it. Um but hopefully we'll work some of that in. I would really really like to. But that was like my like second like big like fanboy obsession, man. Like I've I've met some of those dudes a few times and I'm I'm not one to get starstruck or anything or care, but like it is hard for me to speak to the people in that band the times I met them. <laughs> I took a I took a lesson from their bass player one time. Uh do you remember what a website called Band Happy was? mm mm-hmm. Mhm. mm Mhm. yeah like the lesson portal the dudes from periphery did um and like that dude just like schooled the shit out of me like i I was like oh i know this guy's band like front to back like i know as long as like i'm good Mm -hmm. i'm a shredder that's what i thought and at the end of that i was like fuck i'm terrible because that guy was just like hey man your technique's not that great like i didn't know any theory at the time and he's like a theory like god and so I couldn't even speak the language that he was fucking speaking, man. Uh, and I've met a couple of the other dudes in that band, and every time I'm like, I got to get out of this conversation because I am 100% embarrassing myself. <laughs> yeah. like, I got do,
0: Stumbling the over about, words. <laughs> oh,
1: yeah, Yeah, totally. The whole thing I said earlier about everybody's opinion, like, everybody matters. Mm-hmm. Like, every fan of your band matters. You need to respect that. Like, that's totally true. But when you're talking to someone who's a fan of your shit and they're, like, having a hard time, it's very clear, and it's uncomfortable for you. And as soon as you're uncomfortable, it's massively uncomfortable for them, mm. you know. And when I would be talking to these, youth, I was like, "Fuck, man, I'm I'm doing the one thing that no one should ever do. I have to go." <laughs> but yeah, love that, love that band. Totally turned, totally turned me into like the shredder dude.
0: Well, it's a I great mean, band to like
1: desensitize yourself to all the weird aspects of music.
0: You could have gone a lot worse, Um <laughs> Yeah. You know, so, um. Mention early bands, um, obviously, you know, everyone that's been in a band probably has that couple of bands during high school that they kicked around and you mentioned playing horrible kind of Slayer songs and stuff like this. Um, so where was your progression with bands? Like how many bands during high school did you dabble in and then after high school before um, you got into one of the bands that you mentioned that started having any kind of success in any realm?
1: Uh, I think in high school, I didn't play in that many bands because I really only was friends with like, I went to a small private school. Um, and so I, the only, I only, the only people that played music at that school were like my three friends. Uh, cause it was like my graduating class had nine people in it. So I'm talking like nine, the tiniest school. When I tell people that they think I went to like some weird alternative high school for like Potential school shooters, and that's not what I went to. But like I can for, I can understand why anyone would make that mistake. Um, so I just was I was in like a pop punk band with the, all those dudes called Reminisce. We were in a American Nightmare rip off band called Oh, it was called Reminisce. It was the same band, and we just switched sounds from American Nightmare mm-hmm. to pop punk at some point. I don't remember why. Um, and then I was I was in. A like neurosis junior band called alua mm. that was like uh anyone that listens to this you should look up a thing called a, a music video called alua crows uncensored on youtube it's the cringiest thing i've ever done it's like a two minute song that sounds like neurosis like a like a fast neurosis song but we shot it in this video in this venue called swayzes that was up the street from where i live and like our singer's girlfriend came and brought two of their friend of her friends. And the video cuts in between them playing or us playing a banner behind us. that says your Christ died for nothing. I'm 17 at the time. I shouldn't be fucking like doing that, but (laughs) your Christ died for nothing. And then, um, the three girls all naked on a table with upside down crosses taped over their nipples, uh, covered in blood, just rolling around.
0: It's just random as fuck.
1: I don't really like I just show I didn't know what the whole concept was. It was like, "Oh, we're shooting a music video tonight. I am a child. This is fun. Cool." <laughs> and then it was like we spent like 45 minutes shooting the band stuff. Like 2 minutes shooting shots of this your Christ died for nothing banner and then like fucking 2 hours of these girls just pouring fake blood on each other and just fucking making out and everything.
0: It's That's the, the excitement of being a teenager and saying, well, we're going to shoot a music video. And everyone, you know, you look back at a lot of those bands, it's always, you know, I remember a mate's band, they suddenly had a random stripper pole. And it was like, what's the point of this music video? Why is there a stripper pole with, you know, it's just, it's weird. Um, so before you finish high school, you know, I always ask everyone, where are you going career wise you know you're saying you're an introvert and you're very focused on guitar you're spending late hours just playing 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 mm-hmm. um, but what do you like with your grades are you focused on a career that isn't music or are you at this stage only no abso-
1: absolutely not at this point my parents are spending an ass load of money on a private school education for me and the only thing i care about is like breakdowns <laughs>
2: like
1: it is undeniably I, I tell I tell people all the time when people are like, "Oh man, like music saved my life." I'm like, ah ha ha ha, it <laughs> fucking ruined mine. <laughs> I had, I had great grades. I was a really good student. Um, even I attempted college after high school, or a couple of years after high school. I was still good, uh, but I just couldn't. I could not give a shit, no matter how hard I tried. As soon as I realized how cool music was and how much I loved it. It was total, like, tunnel vision. So I had some, I had some, like, career aspirations, but they all circled around music in one way or another. So eventually I was just like, well, I'm going to be in a band or I'm going to die. Like, those are the options. There is no, there is no other way around it. So uh, I don't think I would the only thing that sucked about it was, I was like, not only am I going to be in a band, but I'm going to be on a hardcore band. <laughs> and, and anyone who's like, career aspiration is to be in a hardcore band either needs to have like very intense communist style (laughs) re-education or needs to be killed because (laughs) it's a fucking terrible idea.
0: No money in Uh, it. No money in it.
1: Absolutely zero. Uh, Or here's the thing is it's, there's not zero. It's just because any style of music, there is a way to make money as long as you know what you have and how to leverage it. And in hardcore, there are ways to make money, especially now. But it's not—it's just not that there's a ton of money. Like right now, hardcore is having a moment. Labels that used to not care about hardcore are willing to pump six figures into certain album deals, things like that. You know, um, people like are interested in hardcore because it's kind of as big as like uh, hip hop and like SoundCloud rap is right now. It's kind of the sister genre to that. So there are ways to make money there, but it's not off of your band. It's Mm -hmm. Your band, again, is an advertisement for you as a person, and then you can can monetize yourself in other ways. Or if you're specifically talking about music, you better make sure that your band, people think your band is cool, so other people want to work with you on music, and then you're making money off of writing and publishing. So there is a way, and there is a route, and there are people in small hardcore bands who are successful doing big music things but it's not necessarily because their band makes money there are Mm. only a few bands in in the scene that are really like making good money off of their bands but at that time when i was a kid it was absolutely fucking hopeless (laughs) absolutely hopeless hate breed was the only hardcore band that was making any money and that was because they were playing the Ozfest game
0: Mm. really well Mm. you know well, I guess, I guess you would have got a lot of love and support from the uh, the folks when uh, they figured out that's what you were going to do.
1: Nah, man, that was, like, very dark. <laughs> uh, like, with my dad, he was... It Like re- actually really strained me and my dad's relationship. My mom was always like, if you're happy and you're not destitute, then
0: good. We're happy for you. But my yeah.
1: dad felt like he had spent years trying to set me and my, my Me and my, my brother went to that same school, and he... My brother didn't really have college aspirations either. My dad felt like he spent years and tons of money setting me and my brother up for a certain path, excuse me, a path that we were not going to go down. And that was like something that wasn't resolved until, I don't think it really got resolved until when I was like 23, I did Warp Tour and my dad kind of like, he knew what that was and he was like, oh, that's like, cool that's like that's a thing that matters and then he came and saw one of my old bands at a like a, a show here we did on some tour that was like uh just a really good really successful show and a really like successful tour um and then he kind of got it he started referring to it as like my job and everything but you know i was 26 when that happened mm. so like talking like my dad and as soon as i told my dad i'm gonna be in bands And that's my career. I told him that when I was 16. So you're talking about a solid 10 years of just, like, emotional combat Mm -hmm. every day. And, like, because I was touring in heavy bands, I'm not making money. I'm obviously living with my parents like a fucking moron throughout this whole time or up until, like, I was, like, 24. And so that just made it worse because, like, if you keep – like, there's a couple things I tell people all the time, like a few life lessons you got to learn by, like, age 18 – or you're fucked, and one of them is like when to stop uh, riding on this, like your the parental safety net, even though it might make sense for you financially, it's a horrible idea in the long run, and uh, that, like, that's advice that I did not take. Like I was sucking the parental teat <laughs> for a little too long to try to like continue doing music, and uh, it was definitely a bad idea. And so as soon as I stopped doing that, it also is coincidentally when I started being more successful in music and the, the stuff of my parents got better, but yeah, long and short of it was no, absolutely zero extra career aspiration. Yeah.
0: Just, um, just and it would have been dark, you know, I mean, I've, my old man was very much the same, but his was, um, if you're not doing what he wanted, then everything else is Mickey mouse is what he called it. Um, yeah. so yeah, I, I, that would have been difficult, but good to hear that, you know, eventually, um, It went a bit better. But let's um, get into some of the bands now. So mentioned a few bands before Vatican, obviously after high school. um, Yeah. Tried to find, couldn't find. You know, I do my homework and um, couldn't find anything. I was hunting and hunting. Um, what were the bands before Vatican? Because you joined Vatican around 216, I think. 215, 216.
1: Yeah, uh, yeah that sounds about right.
0: So, what were you in? I mean, what bands were you in before, basically?
1: Do you want the list? It's fucking long. Bring it. It's like, it's, okay, hold on just a second. Uh, I don't really remember why I typed this out, but.
0: Oh, you've got it on your phone.
1: Yeah, I, I got it on my phone because this is like kind of a, kind of a meme amongst me and my friend group. This is not complete, but just to give you a look, it's oh, it's Whoa. a pretty long list. That's so, a full screen. I, yeah. Here we go. Word travels fast. Latin for truth. Vatican. Forever came calling. Some mistakes. The tired and true. The sheds. Caradel. pile, Gridlock. Alua. Oh, Manhattan. Reminisce. DUI. Bliss. When I'm older. Set apart. Podunk. I don't remember what that was. Oh, that was a ska band with a friend of mine. That was a horrible idea. Flatline. Pity clap. King of summer. American Prophet, which was my butt rock band. was that was a really funny one. Uh, And there's like, I think there are 10 more, uh, but it's just not like, it's not worth it. That's another list I have somewhere else. There are are bands I can't remember. So the reason you haven't found my history is because, number one, a couple of things are probably intentionally buried. Um, Number two, like just a ton of that stuff wasn't successful. Mm Mm-hmm like in any way, so like the bands on that list that mattered or were successful are a small handful. Word Travels Fast was like my band from home that I was in for like 10 years. And it was very popular here, but that band had no idea what it was doing. So we never mattered in the grand scheme of things. Um, But that was like a pop punk band that eventually became like, it was like pop punk, but everyone in the band loves Dillinger and Meshuggah and periphery so it's just hilarious guitar music with really really violent shows um like that is another band where people threatened to sue me over things that happened over like throwing guitars at people or throwing cymbals at people or like headwalking while playing guitar and like breaking shit like definitely my favorite band of all time but a lot of mistakes <laughs> were made um that american prophet band that i mentioned i shouldn't have even said the name because like there's like there are issues there, but that was a butt rock band that I was in um, where some guys called me. I'm from Atlanta, Georgia,
2: mm-hmm.
1: and the a ton of like the Rise Records metalcore bands, not a ton, but a few notable ones came out of this area. And they did that by doing some demos and shopping these demos and like getting signed to these deals before they ever played a show, right? By play, they did it by playing the game. And so everyone in the scene started following that trend. And I got a call from some old friends. And they were like, hey, we've played the game. We've got a deal with this label, who I don't want to mention. Um, and we just kicked a guy out. We, uh, we're about to finish our uh, full length. We want you to come help write some songs. We're doing some co-writes with like these Nashville guys and some of these other band guys are in some big bands, blah, blah, blah. We're going to do the record. Do you want to do it? And I was like, yeah, sure. And this band, like, on paper, it was a great idea to me because they had not an amazing record deal, but they had a legitimate record deal with a very large, notable label that was willing to, they had the money to take some gambles. It had a really good radio budget. Or not really good, it had a good radio budget. Um, The songs were pretty good they're working with like a good producer and also the A&R guy at the label and the band's manager. If you were a band in the early two thousands, like mid two thousands and you had this team that they had, it was like the winning combination. It was the people that made, I guess that made that whole two thousands metal core scene happen. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Um, and like the new wave of American heavy metal, that whole group of bands. So I was like, oh, yeah, like, sick. This will be cool. Um, and I was like, at this point, I have been in enough bands where I was like, I know enough of the business end to be able to help mitigate some of the stuff with this team. And it ended up just being a total fucking disaster.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Total fucking disaster. Um, where that record is, like, shelved. You know, it ended up being a tax write-off for this label. But we did some, like, co-writes with, like, dudes who were in, like, arena bands and all this stuff. And it was just, like, a really tumultuous – Tumultuous situation. Um, I do have a funny story from it. Though. Uh, we had the same booking agent as Seven Dust. Oh. And Seven Dust was playing a show, like a hometown anniversary show in Atlanta. And the agent's like, we'll throw you guys on this show. This is probably the day that the band crashed and burned. At this point, the record's done. The artwork for the album is done. All the budgets are approved. Like, The record comes out in four months at this point. Something like that. Uh, do you guys want Like you haven't played a show yet Do you want to play this show Sure Find out No one in this goddamn band This band that A label is spending Insane money on No one in this band Has any fucking gear So I'm like borrowing and renting gear From all my friends For this fucking band To play a show That's annoying Getting these guys to practice There's only a couple of people That were really dedicated To the idea And the dudes that were dedicated Were in But a couple of other guys were causing all these problems. I'm like, you can't keep causing problems There's people spending money. You're going to lose this for us unless you fucking show up. Whatever. We play the show with all this borrowed gear and all this dumb shit I had to do to make it happen. The show goes over good. Goes over fine. The end of the night, I left the show to go see Nails. And apparently while I'm gone, all fucking hell breaks loose. So... Our guitar player and our singer rode to the show together with all the equipment in a car. At the end of the night, I can't get a hold of either of them, but I find out that the car is still stuck at the venue, which is in the worst part of the city. I'm like, this is weird. I don't know how to deal with this. Um, The next day, I get a call from the singer, and he's like frantic, losing his mind, bawling, crying. Like, what happened? He goes, guitar player left the show with two like 40 year old women that were there to see seven dust. He took the keys to the car and my cell phone. He's like, I had a panic attack about it. And our booking agent found me crying in an alleyway over what was going on. And like, I tried to explain to her what happened and I think it went okay. But the next day management drops us over, not over that, but definitely over that Uh, management drops us and the label starts going cold. All the release plans get tanked and everything. And so that whole project just like crash and burn. This is why I tell people like you can try to sell out, but if you're going to sell out, you better fucking go for it. Cause I've tried and it didn't work at all.
0: Well, you also got to make sure you're not completely making mistakes, not just go for it, but you know, have gear. If You're going to sell out, have gear.
1: Oh yeah. That's, that's the crazy thing is I was like, how do you guys not have like? How do you guys not have anything? You don't know anything that's going on. And apparently they had, they had this bass player come in who was a tech for other like big bands in the area, and he, he was providing them all their gear. And when they kicked him out, he left with all the equipment. And the other dudes in the band, no joke, were just too. They were convinced. This is the, another thing that people don't understand about like when you sign to, a, when you get a team, when you sign to a label, you get a manager get agent they think all this shit's gonna be handed to them like i would the first time i met up with them they were talking about my gear because the free gear is coming and i'm like i have endorsements already and i can already tell you that's not how that fucking works Mm. like no one's gonna send you shit for free nobody ever did the money that we had from our advance from the label they just fucking like, like again a couple of the dudes really dedicated the idea the other two dudes just pissed everything away just like just totally pissed all the way because I thought everything was going to get handed to them. And at no stage in being a band and being in this like industry at no stage does anybody hand shit to you. You have to work for all of it. Even if the work is just by being nice and polite and being professional, like what happened at that show was a super unprofessional situation that professionals saw
2: mm-hmm.
1: and it just knocked all, just knocked all this shit away. You know what I mean? Um, but yeah, so I, I that was just like a total fucking hilarious thing. I was in Vatican at the time, and I would be telling them about what's going on. And they're like, "How is like our band, our like like fucking whatever metalcore band like more like like how do we know what's up more than these guys know what's going what's up?" When there's so much more money on this end, I was like, "I don't know, dude. Rock people are weird, man. I don't know what to fucking tell you straight up." But yeah, I was in that band. It was whatever. The other like I was also in a band called Forever Came Calling that was like a pop punk band. That we were on one of like the bigger, like definitely like one of the bigger like labels in that in that world, and we toured with like all the big names and that and everything. And that that was like another thing that, like I think a lot of people uh, know me from, but that was a pretty disastrous thing. I, I'm from Atlanta; they're from the desert in California, so I'm like that's like you know like a five hour plane commute every time this band just wants to fucking practice and everything, which is a disaster. But yeah, th- those are the only things I like. Those are the successful, like notable ones that I did, and then everything else is just like trying and failing. And so I think one of the reasons that the band I'm in now works is because I failed so many fucking times that now I'm like, well, we probably shouldn't do that because I know that it's a mistake because I made that mistake seven years ago and it cost me X amount of money. So let's just not let's not repeat the cycle again.
0: Well, it's really important to know those things and learn from those things. But when you initially joined Vatican, um, you mentioned you were in that other band, but did it feel like Vatican could have been your sole focus? And did you feel like this was the band that you could, you know, really push to another level?
1: Oh, totally. Um, because in all the other band, So I was in that rock band. I was in that pop-punk band, Forever Kim Calling, and I joined Vatican. And they were all... At the same they were all writing records at the same time. And I think that like the thing that the two things that made it click for me that I was like, oh, this is the band that I should do were um number one, when like when I was writing in the rock band, there was like like I said, where there's a, a a kind of name producer involved who's a great guy. There's everyone at the label, there's people that are involved in the co-writes, there's a the manager, then there's the band. So there's so many cooks in the kitchen. So doing the song writing a song for the band was a very was like a more bureaucratic process than it was like a creative process you know there's like approval there's written approvals that have to be made and so that was like difficult and then so when people disagree it's super chaotic and everybody disagreed and then in forever came calling we were writing a record and everybody in that band fucking ruled but there were still just like some just dis- there was disagreement there about there was too much disagreement in what we all wanted to do but with vatican everyone is just on the same page like everyone was on the same level of technical ability or, or like at least very close um and then everyone like everyone just loved the vibe that we were going for and in all the other bands it was just a struggle with so many people with conflicting ideas and that's why i was like oh this is the thing i gotta go for because like not saying everything in life should be easy but the creative end of music should at least uh be not infuriating
0: oh Um, yeah that's important And everybody
1: just got it yeah the other thing was we played a show one time i played a show in that pop punk band and i remember hitting like an open core like an open chug or whatever in a sound check and i was like that is just not nearly as cool as playing like a big fucking breakdown (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> that was that was like my those are definitely my thoughts. It was like I love playing in this band, but even just the guitar sound itself is not as cool as the guitar sound of this other of the the metal band that I'm in. And that that was definitely like the instant click for me. That that was the actual moment that I decided not to do it. That I just decided to quit these other bands and dive into Vatican. Because also I was getting important. Like man, I'm getting kind of old. Like I have to one something has to work or i or i have to figure out a plan b in life you know because it just gets harder when you get older
0: when you came into vatican you know they already had drowning the apathy inside had already yeah come out so when you come into vatican um are they kind of locally established are they kind of making a name for themselves at that stage when you come in
1: oh totally yeah they a couple of the dudes in the when Vatican started, it was actually an offshoot of another band that mm-hmm. they were that the four members were in. Um, and so when they decided to stop the other band and go for it with Vatican, people are they already had some like the industry term is cachet. You know, mm-hmm. they, they already had some clout, basically some people that would ride for them. So by the time I, I that was another thing that I liked, I was like, these guys, like they are they not only do they want to go for it, but they've already started going for it and it's already kind of working. Mm -hmm. like there's so it wasn't a thing where I was like oh I'm gonna like slip in there's all this work that's gonna be done I'm gonna have to mold it I was like these people just see it the way I see it um and I think I just have the experience that I can I I think if I give these people who have the drive my experience it will click instantly and the whole thing will start working um so yeah so they already had I mean they already had some speed it wasn't like insane by any means but uh there was definitely like some excitement when we started writing a new record and, and wasn't like just starting from a blank page or anything like that.
0: And how, how was, or well, how was, and how is the writing process for you? Um, what, what are you bringing to the table? Cause it feels like when you came, came in from that EP onwards, feels like it's gained a little bit more melody. And I don't mean that in a, in a bad sense of what melody can sound like. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Sounds like it's a bit more technically challenging at times and, a little bit more complex in the rhythm section. So is that kind of what you came and injected into the sound? Because I was trying to think of a breakdown of bands for listeners who aren't sure on the sound. I've got a list here because these are the ones that popped into my head. So Shai Halud, Martyr AD, Dillinger, Zayo, On Broken Wings kind of thing going mm-hmm. on is what I feel like yeah. is the sound.
1: Um, so literally all of those bands except for Zayo – there are there are parts that are on there are Vatican parts that explicitly reference those bands.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, Zeo Zayo, is a band that everyone compares us to because of our singer's voice, mm. and I get it. But what's crazy to me is like people are like you guys sound like Zao, but none of the people that write music in the like the actual music in the band really care about Zao. Like I'm not saying they're not like Zayo is a good band, but I missed the boat on Zayo when I was younger. I didn't really start getting into that band until maybe right after i joined vatican mm. so it's just not an influence but people seem to think so which i understand because our singer's voice does sound similar at times um but i think yeah for me all of that stuff was stuff i wanted to bring in uh because that band the band's first ep the one that you mentioned is kind of like really influenced by machine head that's if you were to ask them what they were going for at the time that was it and me and our drummer joined our drummer Hosian joined at around the same time. And we definitely were like, we were like, we want more melody. Cause like I said, I was in like rock and pop punk bands and stuff. And so melody and song structure, those are things that I they were kinda like my bread and butter. And then the technicality was something that, yeah, we definitely want we want it. We actually want to push it way more than we do. When I first joined the band, I was like, oh, it's gonna be pure, pure shred. Like, like too many notes kind of thing. And what we ended up doing on the full length is definitely more of, like, a groove mm. metal kind of vibe, I guess. But, no, all of that stuff is stuff that we reference. Like, there's, a uh, for Shah Halud specifically, uh, Matt Fox's, like, lead guitar stuff, the way he's able to put melodic leads over very atonal guitar, over, like, rhythm guitar that doesn't fit a particular key and modulates a lot, like, that's something where on... I can't even remember the name. We did a split with Sanction and a couple other bands. And there's a song on there where the chorus lead that I do is just trying to rip off ideas that Fox does. Mm. Um, for On Broken Wings, there's a transition in a song that we have called uh, Cognition Rendered Dead on our full length on Soul Impulse, where it goes from like a certain speed and it slows down into like this really heavy done, dun done dun thing. And that was, taken from on, an "Unbroken Wing" song, where it's not—it sounds like a tempo change. It's not. It's actually just playing off of triplets now instead of off of quarter notes. That's kind of how to think about it. Stuff like that. Martyr AD definitely a big one for us because Martyr AD to me is like the scene, like the hardcore scene's closest thing to Meshuga.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And Meshuga is like another big, is like a giant influence for our band. Um, and then yeah, Dillinger, like Dillinger specifically, in like the lead guitar stuff, like. Every once in a while there's like leads that kind of sound like weird beehive kind of sounds. And that's totally a Ben Wyman idea of just, again, really ato- like kind of like with Fox, his whole thing is making, a, is doing melodic leads over atonal guitar, like rhythm guitar. The Dillinger thing is atonal leads over like sometimes more melodic um, or more sensible rhythm guitar. Um So yeah, all that stuff is like a big influence. For me, it was trying to inject that technicality, but also trying to put even if there wasn't melody, but more concise song structures into the band um, and trying to look at it from that viewpoint, uh, which I don't think on the first record we did, I think we tried. The the other guys in the band, I think, trusted me too much on the first record because I was a little older. I'm a little older than the other dudes. And one of my old bands, they were some of those dudes were pretty into. And I think because of that, they're like, oh, Tom might have the answers. And when I listen back to it now, I'm like, Oh no, I I made plenty of mistakes. Like there's a singing part on one of the songs. I think it's a little too hand fisted and then some structures that I don't necessarily agree with. But, um, but on the next record, we definitely like on the full link, we definitely figured out the sound of the band. And that was another thing for me was how, like, I kind of figured out what sound we were going to go for and what vibe it was going to be. And then now everyone else just like runs with it. So I definitely got to the point where I feel like I was kind of steering the ship for a little while, um, which I didn't intend to, but now everybody, like everybody in the band, we have three riffers, like three main songwriters and they all fucking like, everyone has great ideas now. Everyone kills it. And our drummer, Hosian, he's not a guitar player by any means, but he has great songwriting ideas, great arrangement ideas and everything. He's, he's that guy now, the guy that everybody really trusts and go and goes to for questions because he's not like He's not obsessed with hardcore the way we're all obsessed with hardcore, and he's not a guitar player. So because of that, he just has a different perspective. You know what I
0: mean? You're also a band that I think um, can't be – this is a compliment – is you can't be pigeonholed. And you know, in a way that some people might call you hardcore, some people might call you metalcore, um, but you can't really – as soon as you say it's one style, you hear the next song, and you go, well, actually yeah. – um, is that something that you guys just naturally let happen or are you intentionally trying to be um, kind of a variety of sounds on an album or a release?
1: I I would say it's weird because we, tr- we try to be a hyper-focused band. Mm-hmm. Like we try to like essentially come up with a direction and then like and then really kind of lock it into a box, you know what I mean? But that definitely doesn't ever happen. It never actually works out that way. Even if we think it does, in retrospect, like a year later, I'll listen to the record and be like, oh, this is like, definitely bounces around a lot more than I thought it did at the time. Um, but I mean, yeah, we definitely don't want to like be pigeonholed. I think that's, everybody comes from like a, a different background. And because we're not, a, like I said, we have three songwriters really we have four because Hosean counts too, um, are like all these dudes come from a different place and everybody's got to be satisfied at the end. Like there's never comes a point in time in this band where I want to write something. And if another guy tells me he dislikes it, like that, he really has a fundamental problem with it. I'm never want to be the guy that's like, well, fuck you, man. This is cool. Like, this is what we're doing. Like it, it has to be democratic because we all have to live with it at the end. And so I think because of that, even though we all want to be a cool, heavy metallic band, because there's so many cooks in the kitchen, it tends to have that, uh, it tends to have that vibe where things kind of bounce around and there's, you know, there's really melodic stuff. And then there's stuff that almost sounds kind of like, like has like a new metal bounce to it. And then there's, you know, singing, and then there's weird, like, you know, off time, like mashugi kind of parts and Dillinger stuff. Um, so yeah, we just have too like, we have too many people contributing ideas. It might be a better idea for one person to just steal ship like a lot of other successful bands, but uh we would all get I, I know I'm way too egotistical and hard headed to let someone else do it. And the other guys in the band are basically like the same way. Like we all have pretty big heads about it. Uh but it ends up being cool.
0: I think it works. Yeah, I think it works. Um One thing I wanted to ask is kind of, you know, you guys came into my attention around the time. You seem to really gain some media attention around the two track you released in 2018, uh, which was Spawn of All Pain Taken. Um, Yeah. Coming into around 2018, you know, you've been in the band for a couple of years at this stage. You guys are obviously doing weekenders and doing tours when you can. Are you feeling like... You're no longer just a new band on the scene. Do you feel like you're starting to establish, not necessarily in a way of saying establishing a name for yourself, but more of in if you're on a tour, people can look at it and go, "Oh yeah, I know Vatican."
1: Oh yeah, totally. Um, I think that part that was kind of the point of doing those two songs was uh, we felt like oh, like we're like we're we're getting some momentum we're getting some draw, we're not like, and we're getting asked to do things not just as like, not just from friends who just wanna like, have us out on tours because they're our friends, but because like, we have something to offer other people now. Um, And it was just like, oh, like, well, at that point we were, we wanted to, we were trying to write a full length, we had started, but we knew that we didn't have, like, it was gonna take us a while to write it, and then we also, like, we just didn't want to, like, wait to put something else out because we had some touring coming up. So we just did that as, like, a two-song promo, just to, like, keep the steam going, to keep to keep making a name for ourselves and everything. Also, we thought that those those two songs were, like, a step up for the band because the EP that we did before that was definitely cool-ish, for sure. Uh, but as soon as we wrote those two songs, we're like, oh, this is, like, the kind of band that we actually want to be. Like, this is the shit that works with the five people that we have now. This is the vibe we want to go with. And so we just kind of, we just wanted to get that out as soon as possible. Also to show people, like, the next thing we do won't sound just like everything you heard before. Like, it will keep moving in a different direction. It will still be the same band, but it will keep going.
0: Yeah, it's always important. And as you said, it's always important to keep that momentum and keep that name out there, yeah. which it definitely did um, and gained quite a bit of attention and reception. Um, and then you come into soul impulse, which um, as listeners know, I froth the fuck out of it. I've recommended it a lot. One of the big things was, I think was the connection with one, one, two, six records. Um, yeah. A record label that at the time and is now got pretty, pretty good roster. It's slowly been growing the roster. How did the link mm-hmm. up for you guys go to one, one, two, six? And did you at any stage think about not going on a record label? Because the thing now is you don't need a record label to keep going. It is important though.
1: Yeah. Oh, I love this question uh, for a couple of reasons. so to touch on how it happened, um, we had been shopping, like shopping around some demos some labels and talking to some people. And our booking agent at the time, he's still our our booking agent now, his name's James. Um, He had been doing some, he's also a manager, and he was managing some bands uh, at a company um, called Modern Empire, which at the time, uh, Scott Lee, who runs uh, 1126 Records, he he was working there as well as his company. And he had told James, like, I'm interested in starting this label, You know, who are some bands that you kind of like vibe with? Who are some people that I should look out for? For People that don't know Scott. Scott, do you know what the New England Metal and Hardcore Festival was? Mm
2: -hmm.
1: Okay, yeah, Scott, that was his baby. Hmm. Um, You know, he he kind of ran the New England Waterford, like, uh, shows for that whole wave of bands in the early 2000s. And then he stayed as a promoter for years, and now he he mostly manages bands in addition to running some ticketing companies, some other things. He's kind of, he's a mini hats guy. And uh, the label was just like, "How do I have another hat?" You know what I mean? Because he was working with some bands who he thought like, "Oh, some people aren't taking a chance in these bands, but if just they if they get a push, it's, these bands are gonna matter." Like specifically with that band, I Am, and you mm-hmm. had Andrew from I Am on the show, right? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Like the label kind of started for them, uh, mm-hmm. just to get that uh, to get that Texas Death record out and. It was like a gamble that paid off because that record's done really well. Mm. Um, But yeah, we just started talking to him because of that. Scott's first call, uh, or his first question he had for me was, why did you name the band Vatican? Don't you think that was a bad idea? And I was like, I wasn't there, man. I don't know what to tell you. Like, probably, like, yeah, it is a bad idea for like a variety of reasons. Mm. Because people all the time, like, you're a Christian band, like, no or not. Or like, they search for your, they search Vatican Mm. On social media, they can't find us, or we get tons of messages from people thinking that we are the Vatican, really? And we get, yeah, oh, oh, man, I should I'll send you some screenshots of some at oh, some point I because know. they're like they go from like funny things to like absolute insane conspiracy theory, like five g like you know conspiracy kind of shit to to sometimes really sad, sad stories and everything. Mm. And it's nonstop. It's like one or two a week. It's always on Facebook because people that do things like that only exist on Facebook, <laughs> um, which is why we don't put too much stock in it anymore. <laughs> um, but yeah, we, we talked to Scott. We had been talking to a few other labels, and um, Scott was just cool. He was a good dude. He like – because res- I'm, I'm a little bit older, and I respected a lot of things he had done, and a few people that I was really tight with from when I was in that Forever Can Calling band – had worked with Scott on a few different levels and they were all like, he's a great dude. Um, he's re- like, he's if he says he's going to ride for you, he's going to ride for you until the end of time. Like he'll be there until the end if you want him to be. And I, and I respect that I, because lots of people jump from ship to ship to ship in music, whether that be companies or bands, and things like that. And I was tired of doing that personally. And I could like respect someone that wanted to do that too. And then uh, just the terms of what he offered was just really good it was really really he tries to be fair as fair as you can be Mm -hmm. um with like a new record label and his the the deal that he offered to us was super fair and really nice of him and everything and he was any of my questions and concerns he was really happy to deal with and everything so that's kind of how that whole thing happened but um Oh crap, what was the other half of the question? I feel like I rambled too much.
0: Hey, no, fine. Um, the other half of the question is, you know, at any stage, you know, you mentioned shopping it around, but at any stage, oh, did you think, look, let's just do this ourselves? Because yeah, there is power ab- in us nowadays.
1: Uh, the reason we didn't do it or that I didn't want to do it ourselves. Um, a couple of guys in the band, we had talked about it. Cause they had self-released everything before I was in the band and The EP that we did, we did not self-release. We released with our friend's label called Sorrow Carrier Records. And that release did pretty well for us. And they're like, well, we could do it ourselves. And the thing that I think people don't understand about trying to do everything yourself now is you definitely can. Like, all the tools are there. Um, But the two things that you don't have that a label or a team can offer you are capital, so just money, um, and then those people's cachet, their experience, their network, those things matter. Um, like, we definitely could have released the record ourselves at a similar budget that we ended up getting at 1126. We could have recorded it um, the same way and we could have released it the same like dollar amount and we probably could have gone to a label service like many like there's like sony the orchard some people know about now they're a distributor but you can also go to them and for a certain percentage of your your gross sales they will be your label for a much lower percentage than a normal label would take and that sounds interesting we could have gone there we could have gone to other label services kind of places if we wanted to do that but the big thing to me about going with scott or going with any label was people don't realize how small this community is and about how tight knit the business end of it is, how few people really there. And uh if someone in that community is gonna ride for you, only good things can happen. You know what I mean? They can't snap and make all the magic, but they can do a lot of good for you. And that's why I w- I was pretty adamant about trying to figure it out and then Scotch had a great plan for what he wanted to do with the band. Not only what he wanted to do with the band on his label, but going, but in the future with continuing to work with us, you know, even if we leave the label, how do we continue to have a relationship with him? Uh, and I, and I, that was nice to me too, knowing that like he was, he didn't want to trap us there on like a five record deal, like a lot of other, not labels his size, but labels one step above him will do to you, or at least three albums, things like that.
0: Yeah, it's also good that, Uh you know, not just getting trapped, but it's also good that, you know, he obviously sees something in you that it's not just, look, let's just get this out. He sees long-term potential, Um, and that's always a compliment um, that you want and someone you want in your corner, as you said. Um, What was the reception like looking back on the release uh, for you guys with, and I don't mean reception with sales per se. I mean more of feedback through media, through Uh, fans through attendances at shows when you could play shows, of course, you know, what was these kind of receptions for reactions? Like,
1: yeah. Uh, I mean, everything was cool. Like it definitely like just like to be a hundred percent honest about it. I don't want to like sell you on like, Oh, it changed the world. It changed our lives because anyone tells you that is like a fucking liar outside of a couple of bands, but it definitely did well for us. People seemed like they liked the songs a lot whenever we put new songs were going over equally as well as old songs. The big thing was we got like, people started coming to shows that I had never seen before. And they were coming from places that I had never seen before. If that makes any sense. Um, or like it reached beyond hardcore because we had only really played hardcore shows. And like, as much as I love hardcore, we are not a hardcore band. Like, that the ethos of that is very important to us and very important to our band, but we're like, we don't sound like a hardcore band and everything. So people from other communities are finally, we're starting to come around and finally start hearing the band and everything. And then like, even friends of mine who were like, yeah, man, it just always like the band always seemed like it was just never something I was into. But he's like, but they're like, this record clicks with me in a way that the other stuff you did for this band never did. So it was. Everything was on an upswing and we took a little break in the spring of this year to not tour and we're like, Oh, but we're going to hit it hard. And then instantly it all goes away. Cause that's one of the things that sucks. The record's only been out since November. Mm -hmm. And by the time touring comes up and everything, the record will be dead. Like there's the, the cycle will be over. So we're, it kind of sucks that we only had a couple of months of real touring on the record. Before everything kind of got shut down Like a few days before everything ha- Before everything got shut down We were supposed to get on a plane and do Europe And then come right after that and do Canada With counterparts and like a couple other bands and all this shit And like so like other cool opportunities That weren't just headlining for us um, And all that went away But it is what it is you know I tell everyone like we're just on a pause right now mm-hmm. It's not that our band lost momentum It's that the entire planet
0: did
2: mm-hmm.
1: So it's not really that big of a deal It's not something to like stress stress so about too much but but it was good the record was good I think it's sick
0: Well, um, so that leads into you know you kind of said a bit there you know when you can finally do your thing live again um, you mentioned about the kind of it's only, it only came out November 2019 so where is the band thinking you know let's say it's not until next year probably, probably realistically that you can get out in a live yeah. setting are you going to look to try and get the album you know a bit more momentum to play it live or are you looking at that okay that chapter unfortunately as awesome it is we just got to move on from it we got to start a whole new cycle with a new release or something or a couple of new singles or what do you what are you thinking now going forward um i mean ideally we talk about this all the time because
1: we're always like when do you guys think we're going to tour and i'll go and talk to like Agents and managers and people like that that I know and people at Live Nation and all this stuff. And uh, the answer to your question really depends on when we can tour. Mm. Because people said spring. Spring will probably not happen. Maybe summer. May, like, but it could be 2021. Who knows? So it really depends on when that kicks off. But probably what will happen is we will either be on to the new record and really pushing a new album. Or we'll have some sort of stopgap thing in the middle, some sort of other release. Mm-hmm. We have we have something that we are hopefully going to put out this year. It's not a new record. It's like a different. It's a whole different thing, um, mm. uh, which I can't talk about publicly. I can tell you privately if you'd like. Is but, it um, is it
0: an NSYNC covers album?
1: No, I have pitched that idea as a joke, oh, but I am thinking about redoing a bunch of NSYNC songs. Yes. Yes. Uh, yes in my spare time on computer just to learn, just to reverse engineer the production and everything. Do it. But no one will ever hear that because it will sound really bad. (laughs) But we'll probably be on to the next thing. Okay. I would love to keep playing the record because there's, we, there's like five or six songs that we have, that we never played live. You know, because we only got to do a couple of real tours on it. But you know, it'll probably be time to move on to the next thing.
0: Well, I'm excited. Whatever that stopgap is or whatever the whenever the album comes out whatever it is i'm excited because if you just go off uh soul impulse um it's exciting to see what's next um as you said it's just a pause um now the last thing i wanted to ask because we're kind of on the the topic is i've spoken to uh, a lot of people recently when this has been going on some people think the impacts um, obviously on a live setting is going to be one thing, but they think the impact uh, within the industry as a whole could be um, good and bad in many aspects. So I just wonder for you as an artist and also as a just a fan of music unto itself, do you think this pause could be detrimental or do you think it could end up being a positive thing because bands have to rethink the way they do things? Uh,
1: I think it's a mix of both. Like it's going to be... Bands like us are probably—we're in a position to capitalize on it because we didn't rely on the band for income. You know what I mean? Like we all have jobs outside of playing in this band. So because of that, like our lives are still relatively normal. And then, obviously, the really big bands, their lives are still like—they're more abnormal than us because they're not touring and the income is probably slowed. But they're still fine. It's all the bands, it's all the people that are at like the warp tour level. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Those people are the ones that are gonna get are gonna be affected by this the most. Because when you're at that kind of level, your band is fully supporting your life, but it's probably not giving you quite enough money to act to like really be saving for like a total future. And you probably don't have enough time to have, like, the side job, you know what I mean? So I think you could lose a couple of those bands. Also, most of the, like, bands that level at that point, you don't own your masters, your album sales aren't great, so that's your only passive income from being in a band, is album sales, when you're not touring, and when you're only getting 18% off of the net, off of that one cent
2: Mm. that
1: comes in from the stream, you know, that's a whole, that's a whole thing. Um, But I think it will be helpful in regards to, like, a lot of bands that wouldn't have gotten a chance are going to get a chance because more space is going to open up. Because I think you're going to see some bands exit the scene. Also, the bands that are, do the most creative and most interesting things are going to be the people that like they're they're going to be able to come out of this full steam. Like I was telling someone the other day, we're not too worried because, like I said, our whole scene has paused, and only five or six bands are going to be smart enough to find ways to really capitalize on all the dead time and keep their name out there. And when they when those bands like a band like Code Orange obviously, like Code Orange as soon as it happened they did super pro level live stream mm. and everything that they've been doing on Twitch is really interesting. That band is going to come out of this maybe better, better off than they were because there's so much story to tell about how they over they were able to overcome something. So the bands that are going to do the best are the bands that do something really creative and innovative now, while you have the time and resources to do it, and then that's going to be your story for the next year or two. Once touring actually starts happening and everything, it will be better. But I know a lot of people, bands. Some bands are wrapping up. I know a lot of crew guys that are completely done with this world, or at least like they're done for the foreseeable future. Um, and I guess you know, like a lot of venues, we don't know if venues are going to stick around. That's like another big big question mark for everybody.
0: Yeah. I think, you know, I think you hit the nail on the head about the, you know, the ones that are innovative and forward thinking will, you know, the cream of the crop will rise to the top. You know, it is very cliche, but, um, it is, um, but yeah, it is interesting times. Um, and it's, uh, you know, I think the other thing is it's also an interesting time for people to focus on the music. If they are writing music, you know, you can get really creative with what you're doing. Uh, Maybe bands will push the boundaries further, Uh, but it's exciting. Um, Yeah. Annoying, because we all miss a lot of music, um, but it's exciting. Um, Now, we are going to do um, what's becoming pretty infamous, the Pick Your Poison segment to finish off our chat. Um, Okay. (laughs) Some people, um, I say it nearly every week, so, you know, we've got... We've got a very passionate listening base. Everyone listening, they know um, how much I thank them. But I say it all the time to every guest. Some people just stick around for this part of the show. So they've listened to us, you know, chat shit for an hour and a half. But they only really want to know what you're going to pick at the end here.
1: There have been. I can relate. There are a couple episodes where I was like, this is cool. But I do want to see. I want want the answers to to the random shit. I want the bullshit. Especially with some of the dudes that I know.
0: Yes, it's it's quite funny, you know. And also, people say, "Oh, why do you do it the same?" Because the reason they're the same picks is because then you really can gauge um, what makes people tick, really. Yeah. Oh, totally. Um, all right, let's let's get pick your poison going. Um, pizza or burger?
1: Pizza, absolutely. Pizza is my favorite garbage food. I just ate a pizza right before I did this.
0: Uh, are you a thin or deep pizza?
1: So actually, I'm vegan and have like a gluten problem of some sort. Wow! So for me, for me, it's whatever I can find. (laughs) The the pickings are really really slim. Um, If I if if I was normal, it would be a deep dish. So
0: are you are you um, is that celiac? Is that what they call gluten? Uh,
1: My doctors wouldn't see me because they thought I had COVID when i was explaining the symptoms i had to him uh, so i don't i don't know for sure but i can tell you that if i eat uh too much wheat wheat or uh, gluten right now it starts to feel like razor blades are sliding up and down my body
0: Ooh, shit uh, well, it's
1: fa- fucking awesome
0: <laughs> it's a highlight of my day <laughs> i
1: fucking love it oh totally
0: um okay risotto or pasta pasta Okay.
1: Even though I can't really eat pasta
0: No, I was going to say, I can't either. really eat it. No, the next Shit. one will be kind of the same. Soft taco or hard taco?
1: I can, uh, soft taco, but uh, hard hard shelled corn tortilla tacos are normally have no gluten in them. So now it's those with beans, rice, lettuce, and a ton of hot sauce inside
0: of them. Smooth peanut butter or crunchy peanut butter?
1: Smooth. I think crunchy things are, I think crunchy peanut butter is the absolute devil. It's weird. I think people that,
0: yeah. Go ahead. No, I think it's weird, man. Like, I, I agree. Like, growing up, why did I want lumps of things on my peanut butter sandwich? Like, no.
1: That's what I'm saying, man. If you're if you're a crunchy peanut butter person, I'm also kind of convinced you're someone that wants to, like, nail an animal to a wall. <laughs> so I, I don't buy that at all.
0: <laughs> uh, what about coffee or a tea? Coffee. Um,
1: okay. I'm definitely a – I'm an iced coffee person now.
0: Oh, nice. Sure. Nice. Yeah. Uh, cook at home or dine out?
1: Uh, dine out. The other day, I started a fire. Or not the other day, but like probably like two or three months ago, I started a fire in my kitchen with ramen noodles. They soaked up all the water, and I got too busy playing uh, God of War, and I heard a, <laughs> boom, and I walk in, and there's burning noodles <laughs> over my. Uh, you think I? You think I could handle that? It's just boil water, <laughs> and that's it. Yeah. Also when I was 14 I googled how to boil water cuz I didn't know.
0: Oh god, that just made my day. But I mean, I mean it it it's kind of the universe telling you to dine out when you Oh, absolutely. It's definitely telling you. Um movie comes out, you're going to watch it at the cinema or watch it on the couch.
1: Uh, I'm going to watch it at the cinema 3 weeks after it comes out when no one's there because otherwise I I will lo- I'm definitely the person that stands up and like because if you don't shut the fuck up right now, like I'm gonna, fu- I'm gonna smack the shit out of you. I, I, I will talk. I will tell a group of children to stop talking. And <laughs> I so, like, because of that, I'm, I get too stressed out to go. Yeah, you know.
0: <laughs> my other thing is, I don't want. You know, if you've got to go to the toilet. You try and hold it until it seems like a moment that's not of importance. And then you go to the toilet and you come back. And then when you rewatch it later, you find out you actually missed a vital five minutes of the movie. And that's just. Dude, it
1: happens to me all the time. Oh,
0: like fuck. And you're right about the noise thing. My big thing is, um, it always seems to be someone's eating a packet of chips. That's really loud. Or they've decided to bring in a hard taco and they're deciding to crunch on it right behind me. Um, does my, fucking, does my head in um okay spend the day at the beach or spend the day at the snow
1: uh the snow the uh heat heat terrifies me and i hate it (laughs) and uh, i love hoodie weather i love being in as many layers as possible
0: oh you'd hate australia then fuck it's it's like we're in winter and it's hot
1: i believe that i'm sure it's fucking disastrous right (laughs) now
0: um cat or dog
1: Dog, absolutely. My dog's been fucking snoring right behind me the whole time. I don't know if you heard him whine at all. But he's been crying his ass off.
0: Oh, dog. The other three, I learned my, my the other three are outside uh, the room. Oh, okay. um, PlayStation or Xbox?
1: Whew, fuck? Uh, which one? There's so many. There's PlayStation Four. Okay.
0: PS3. Let's so go all the different series. Man. Let's go Xbox. Uh, recent gen. PlayStation recent gen. So we're going four and Xbox. One. Okay
1: uh ps4 xbox okay. one didn't met ma- didn't matter until like two years ago when they put in the game you know what game pass mm-hmm. that whole thing mm-hmm. okay that that's the only reason i bought an xbox one was because i was like oh i'm gonna have a ton of free games but they had nothing going for them this gen so definitely ps4
0: so then what are, what are you, what are your thoughts on the next gen
1: i, I don't know man because uh xbox did their big halo reveal today
0: yeah what was it like uh,
1: it was who cares. Really? Was absolutely. Yeah, I mean, it just looked like, it, it didn't look visually any better than the last Halo. And nothing like, you think with something like that, something crazy is going to happen that's going to sink, hook you in, either something with a story element or like some sort of new gameplay idea where you're like, oh my fucking God, nothing happened at all.
2: Um. It was just the
1: same Halo, which is sick. So probably PS5, even though it kind of looks like a, an alien spacecraft. I'll pro- that's probably what I'll be going with. But also, they've 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 just got all the the series that I want. They've got the mm. Horizon Zero Dawn, the new Spider Man, Ratchet and Clank, all that shit. That's the shit I want. Mm. But I'll buy I, I'll buy both eventually.
0: Mm. Um, okay, some movie ones: Terminator or Predator? Uh,
1: if you're talking Terminator One and mm-hmm. Predator One, and mm-hmm. Predator. But if you're talking the series, then definitely Terminator.
0: (laughs) Okay. Um, Rambo or Rocky? Uh,
1: Rocky for the same reasons.
0: Okay. Uh, James Bond or Jason Bourne?
1: Uh, James Bond because Bourne was better. And then Casino Royale did Mm. Bourne and Bond better than any other Bourne or Bond movie had done before that
0: uh freddy or jason i'm too scared
1: to watch those movies none (laughs) absolutely if i if i had to pick one uh freddy freddy's a cooler idea and a cooler character
0: that that was officially the best answer because that was the best answer because that would have been my answer i I can't watch them (laughs) my wife loves horror movies i I can't i can't watch them man i just can't
1: when I was in that Forever Came Calling band, I stayed with our drummer and his wife is like a horror and serial killer uh, aficionado. So their whole house is decorated essentially in that theme. But I stayed in the horror room and they had this giant life-size cutout of Freddy. No. That one, time, one time, they also lived right next to a military base. Mm. and So I had a dream that a bunch of bombs were going off and it fucking shook me awake and I was terrified because actually bombs were actually going off a hundred yards from me and they shook the Freddy thing onto me as I woke up. And so I just had his face staring it was fucking terrifying, man. <laughs> Honestly, I started to piss my pants because of it. I had to like freak out and hold it and sprint to the toilet.
0: Yeah. I, I just, uh, I'm surprised you made it out alive. I would have just bolted. I've got the same thing with not only horror movies, but um, I have a thing with spiders. And um, Anyone that knows me, I, I, in Australia is big on spiders. Like we're always Never. getting spiders. <laughs> And my wife thinks it's funny, but I'll walk into a room and if there's a spider on the wall, I will scream as in like, what the fuck? And I'll run out. I can't deal Dude, with it, I'm,
1: man. I'm pretty bad with spiders. I'm actually worse with snakes and at my job, I have to deal with snakes every once in a while. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I, I had to tell my boss recently. I was like, never again. <laughs> never again. I, I can't do it. I can't do it. Like, if if I see a snake, it gives me panic attack level anxiety for like six or seven hours. So it's I feel like on that.
0: Yeah, it's it's oh, oh, oh. um <laughs> okay, Star Wars or Star Trek?
1: Look, absolutely Star Wars. Even though it's debatably garbage now.
0: Yeah, I don't know what's happened. Um South Park or <laughs> Simpsons?
1: Uh Simpsons, even though it's it is also garbage now.
0: Um, uh, South
1: Park is a better show, but Simpsons was better at its prime.
0: Yeah, it was uh anchorman or stepbrothers
1: oh this is a good one i hadn't heard this on your other ones uh Step Brothers. nice stepbrothers is more quotable
0: um slayer or pantera uh
1: slayer because pantera is our other guitar player nolan's favorite band and <laughs> fuck him
0: <laughs> um terra or Mable? Dude, this is chaotic <laughs>
1: Mm-hmm. Uh, Madball.
0: My terror Mad- says
1: otherwise. Dude, okay. I terror probably. Terror has more good music than Madball does. Yeah, but Madball is like is like nostalgic for me, and like, so I have more fun watching Madball play, even the songs that I don't enjoy. Even though I absolutely, even though Terror is maybe the most fun band to see ever.
0: See for me that, that would be the one question on this I couldn't answer because I've got terror tattoos and I got mad ball tattoos, so I just oh, really? yeah, so I couldn't answer that one. Um, so you did well. Um, cannibal Corpse or Black Dahlia Murder? Uh,
1: Black Dahlia Murder, BDM.
0: Okay, uh, Converge or Dillinger?
1: Absolutely, Dillinger, a hundred percent.
0: That was an obvious.
1: Converge is Converge is almost as good. What but about not quite as good?
0: What about Mashuga or Opeth?
1: Mashuga for sure, uh, because both are big brain music, but Mashuga is big brain music that very very tiny brain people like me can enjoy and love. <laughs> it's way stu- It's way way stupider.
0: There's just something about you know fucking bleed and just.
1: Bleed, bleed literally changed an entire generation of people. Mm-hmm. Like Opeth never did that. Bleed changed an entire generation of people with one riff.
0: Mm. Yeah, I'm just, after this chat. I've got to go listen to that song again. Um, Metallica or Megadeth?
1: Megadeth has better riffs.
0: <sighs> Dave actually. For everyone listening, we know that Dave never wins. So Dave actually officially won one. He got. I know. I
1: I think that might be the reason that I answered that. Even (laughs) though Metallica might be a better band. And Dave, Dave Mustaine has undeniably the worst voice on the entire planet.
0: He also just does nothing but complain. And his band is a success, but he always complains and cries. You know, there's those memes. It's pretty
1: crazy that man has made millions off of just screaming into a void about nothing, basically. Mm -hmm. But he has great riffs. Mm. (laughs) Great riffs.
0: Um, a couple of new metal ones Or newish metal ones Marilyn Manson or Rob Zombie uh,
1: I don't really care about you. Marilyn Manson because of John 5
0: mm, Yes nice. and I do,
1: We just got to see one of his We played downstairs at a solo show That he was doing where he was headlining upstairs That was the first time I got to see John 5 by himself And it's fucking awesome
0: He's a I don't know if you ever
1: listened to Solar Records, but they're crazy.
0: They are, man. He's a like, like when you say like a pioneer of what he does, he is like he's amazing. Oh, totally underrated. I think too, and that's one of the things that pisses me off. Corn um, or Limbisket? Uh, corn. Yeah, f-
1: corn. I don't really get. These are two bands I don't actually care about at all. But Corn. Corn has at least like five or six songs. I'm like, yo, this slaps.
0: Um Olympus is mad annoying. Last music one, uh Slipknot or Machine Head.
1: Slipknot for sure. Okay. Absolutely slipknot.
0: Now, uh playing a show, stage dives or mic grabs?
1: Uh stage dives because while number one, my favorite thing to do my absolute favorite thing to do in the world is stage dive while I'm playing guitar. Um, but also like when people like Mike grab, like it's so cool because they're the most connected people to your band. But a stage dive is something, even if you've never heard a band before and you're like, I, I really want to like support this band right now. The best thing you can do is run and dive because that means you're like truly risking every aspect of your life for four seconds because you think this band is so cool.
0: Good answer. Best answer. Um, you go to a show to um to see a favorite band. Watching it from the pit, or watching from watching it from the sound desk. Uh,
1: unfortunately, watching from the pit. Really? Unfortunately, mo- I'm moshing as much as I can, and then normally having some sort of physical issue afterwards. I'm too, I'm a, I'm too old to do it, and I'm not a hard enough mosher for people to be like, I shouldn't go
0: near that guy. <laughs> yeah, so they run into you. You're the guy. I just they run get, into.
1: I get, yeah, I get fucked up a lot. <laughs> And now I know so many people, they're like, oh, you can punch your friends. And I'm like, but I'm not one of the friends to punch. Don't fucking hit me. <laughs> yeah. Fucking hit me. Anyway. I'm a total bitch about it.
0: Um, Two left. Uh, You need one to go with the other, but would you rather tour for the rest of your life or record for the rest of your life? Do you remember that thing called touring? Remember that thing you used to be able to do? <laughs> uh,
1: not so much anymore. Um, fuck. Because I I don't know. This, this one's actually really hard because... Recording is the most stressful thing on the planet, and I hate it. But I love touring, but the show is the only actual good part most of the time. Uh, Touring, unfortunately.
0: I wish that wasn't it. Last one. I'm going to give you your all-time favorite album, so I'm going to give you a Dillinger album. Do you want it on CD, vinyl, or do you want it on your phone?
1: If you give it to me, it's just the only way I can listen to it for the Mm -hmm. rest of my life. Mm -hmm. uh, I guess I want it on my phone. Mm-hmm. That CD I'm gonna lose. That vinyl is gonna wear out eventually. Uh, I definitely want it on my phone. I want all. I actually want all of it, and I actually have all of it here somewhere. <laughs> but uh, I want iWorks on my phone at all times.
0: Um, first thing I gotta say, exceeded expectations, man. That was really fun. I really enjoyed it because you go on tangents, but you you're very um, you have a way with words. It's entertaining um you had my attention the whole time you'll have the listeners attention the whole time uh, so i appreciate it i also appreciate the fact that we went over time and that you gave up your free time let's have, see how many more times i can say time so time <laughs> um and time um but yeah a lot of respect a lot of love and a lot of appreciation uh from me man
1: oh fuck yeah man thank you so much for
0: uh oh you're a legend tom you have a good rest of your day man
1: oh thank you so much man i'll talk to you soon all right all
0: right ciao so that was my chat with tom of vatican at the end there you heard the band's track zero line crisis the second one you heard was 31 staples and the last track you heard there was beneath one all three of those tracks come off the band's debut full-length album called soul impulse Now's the part of the show where I spark that thing inside you to support the band and support the artist that's been on the show. So, if you enjoyed the conversation or if you enjoyed the music at the end there, now's your chance, get online, download, stream, whatever you got to do, support Tom and the guys and the amazing music they produce. If you're into physicals, get online, get yourself a CD, get yourself a vinyl. If you're into merch, Get online, you can find some of that there as well. Whatever you're going to do, make sure you support the guys. Make sure you get behind this band. While I've got the chance, I've got to thank Tom again. Thank you so very, very much, dude, for taking time out for me and the Mosh Zone. Much love, much respect, much appreciated, dude. Look forward to touching base and doing a part two soon. And that's it. That's The Mosh Zone, episode 127. Done. Dusted. All wrapped up. Locked away for this week. Guys, if you're a first-time listener, thank you for tuning in. I hope you come back over future weeks on future episodes. If you're a regular listener, thank you as always for tuning in and hope you come back in future weeks. This time of the show is when I remind you that We need your help to get out to more listeners so if you've got a few moments this week and you enjoyed this episode share it on your social medias also tell everyone you know about the Mosh Zone help us out help us grow this Mosh Zone community. Also at this time of the show I need to remind you that if you want to find Mosh News and Mosh Reviews we have it all on our website and social medias. Our website is www.themoshzone.com Our social medias are all at The Mosh Zone, and you can find us on Facebook, Instagram and Twitter. Also, don't forget, you can also get in touch through our email address which is themoshzone at gmail.com Get in touch guys, help us grow this Mosh Zone community. There's not much else to talk about, that is all of my rambling done. Thank you for tuning in. Have a great week. Stay safe. Open the pit.